means of social media. Glad you're tuning in if you are with us this morning. Uh, if you uh, log on later and catch us uh, on the recorded message, welcome. Glad you're here. Guys, uh, let me go over a couple of things we have not discussed in a few weeks. Um, if you would look uh, on the on the web page, if you're looking for the notes that uh, Chris does such a wonderful job putting together for us each week, you'll find it there. If you don't have it, just skip off me and go back to it. Uh, click on the link, print it out. You can use it to follow along with uh, Phil, just like we do every Thursday morning. Guys, also want to touch back on uh, what Phil mentioned last week on Spotify. Uh, our song list, playlist that Jeff puts together uh, is there. And uh, it's a, a media source that you can use uh, in this wilderness time. And I was talking to somebody yesterday uh, that's in, in, in the wilderness and feeling the effects of being in the wilderness and a little bit uh, discouraged and not sure how to go, where to go, what to do. Just feeling discouraged. I mean, this has just gone on for months now. And where do we go? Guys, the only thing I know to do is uh, put one foot in front of the other. Just continue moving. Sometimes it's a struggle. Sometimes they're baby steps. But God's not left us. He's here with us. He has a plan. It's hard to understand what that plan may be sometimes. But I promise when we get to the other side, as any of, anyone can testify that has been through the wilderness season, on the other side, it'll make sense. You'll be able to see something that God planned all along that we just don't understand at this time. So with that, let me open to a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for Jeff and Jeff and Chris for their uh, steadfast uh, support in, in this ministry of Phil's every week. Lord, I thank you for the men that have tuned in this morning live, and I thank you for those that will join in later on the recorded message. Lord, I ask that you would touch those men and their families. Anoint Phil as he brings the message this morning and be with us as we're here on the patio. In your name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Um, good to see um, faces on the patio at Chuck's. Chuck, we're glad to be out here in uh, a beautiful fall morning um it's dark out here just 15 minutes ago so uh the sun is coming up and uh, we are glad to be here i'm glad to be in jackson this week uh and not listening to the music of chainsaws uh because we've been listening to uh chainsaw melody uh, for the last uh, two weeks as uh fairhope continues to recover from hurricane sally uh, we still don't have cable or um, internet, um, so you can pray for Carla. She's driving me crazy. Uh, no, just teasing. It'd be more. It, it'd be more the other way around. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm able to pick up uh, Wi-Fi from my neighbor, um, and I've been sitting on his front porch as we did uh, men's roundtable last week from his front porch, and I keep telling him, "Creepy Phil is back on your front porch." Uh, so uh, I'm glad that Creepy Phil is not on uh, the front porch this morning, but uh, Creepy Phil is on Chuck's patio. Um, so as we begin this morning, um, I want to offer you a song. And um, this song is um, so powerful. Um, uh, I, I truly was in tears as I listened to it um, in preparation for our time um, together. And uh, Sandy Patty is one of the all-time great um, 
Christian singers, and um, she does a song. And the reason that we're doing this song, We Shall Behold Him, is because we're looking at the final days of Moses. And Moses saw God face to face. And one day, we too will see God face to face. I, I trust that you'll listen to this song, feel your way through this song, and may tears come to your eyes in anticipation of us being able to see Jesus face to face. May you hear the voice of God. The sky shall unfold Prepare Applaud him with thunders of praise. The sweet light in
Be on the alert. Stand firm in your faith. Act like men. Be strong. Uh, words from 1 Corinthians 16, 13. So we continue our series into the wilderness as we shall continue uh, until otherwise dictated. So follow with me as we read our introductory paragraph into the wilderness, understanding and embracing the dark times of life. Words translated as wilderness occur nearly 300 times in the Bible. Wilderness seasons are brutal, but God is powerfully at work in this wilderness season of our lives. The only question is, do we have eyes to see it? In order for God to give us the choice whether or not to trust him, he must present us with a moment of crisis. And since he wants us to seek help from him, he brings us through the wilderness to remove all other help first. When we're in a wilderness season, it's easy to lose sight of God's protection, provision, and, and preparation. We might even wonder, how can I trust God's goodness when I'm in this desolate place? But remember Jesus, he went through the ultimate wilderness, the desolation and humiliation of dying under the curse of God. If that is the measure of God's love and commitment to us, we can trust him in our own wilderness seasons. Let's journey together. This morning, um, we um, look at what we're calling knowing God face to face. And uh, we come to the end of Moses' life. Wow. You know, we're in Deuteronomy chapter 34. And um, Moses, uh, along with Jacob, uh, were one of the few uh, to see God face to face. And so um, before we dive into um, Deuteronomy 34 and, and begin to tease that out, pick up your pen. Let's go to work. Let's do some journaling. Engage uh, with me. So I have uh, four questions for you this morning. Question number one, how is your hope meter? Where, where are you relative to hope? Hope that things are going to get better with this pandemic. Uh, hope um, that your kids are going to be good and our country will be around uh, when they're 60 and 70 years old. Uh, Hope um, that uh, illnesses are going to be cured in your family. Everybody's probably got somebody that's sick with something, whether it be the pandemic or whatever. Um, hope for the future financially, whatever it is. We can't live without hope. Um, I, again, I don't know how people uh, make life work uh, without the gospel. Um, the hope of the gospel the hope that we know that as bad as things may be, God wins. We win. We shall be restored. Um, you know, I was reflecting on this even in my counseling practice. I mean, um, at this stage in my life and at this stage in my professional career, uh, I feel a little bit, uh, you know, like a snake oil salesman selling really good snake oil with just hope written on the bottle. Uh, I mean, in, in many ways, when I sit with somebody, um, I am doing my best to give, to anchor them in reality. I mean, not just, you know, telling them something to make them feel better, but so much uh, of what I do, I believe 
is give people hope. Um, as was said to me one time in the middle of uh, one of my deep, dark wilderness experiences, uh, and it was said to me by a lawyer of all, uh, of all people, a lawyer said this, Phil, you're going to get through this. You're going to get through this. And um, I thought it was so strange that I had not heard that from my friends, a pastor, a counselor. I was hearing it from a lawyer. So even a lawyer can give you hope in dark times. But we've got to have hope. Second question. How are you with intimacy? Um, intimacy, intimacy is really what you want. Um one of the things that a good counselor does, uh, and sometimes I get it right, um, is he will, she will reframe a situation. So somebody comes in and, you know, I ask the question, what would you like for me to help you with? And they'll, they'll start talking and they'll tell me X, Y, and Z. And I'm thinking, okay, uh, let's talk about intimacy. Because intimacy is what really gives us the foundation to face whatever circumstance we are. And we think um, that the problem, uh, the issue, is um, something up here above the foundation, but the issue is always foundational. If I have a good foundation, then I'll get through that situation. And the foundational issue of all of life is our need and cry for intimacy, to know and to be known. That's what we really want. And, and if we've got that sense of intimacy in our life, we will be able to, to face any circumstance. And that's so much about what Moses taught people. Third question, who is your model? Who do you admire today? Who do you receive input from? Who do you go to for guidance? And if you come up blank on that, um, you're in trouble. You would never start out on a long journey uh, without a guide, at least guidance, a compass and a map, that sort of thing. And, and I'm telling you that the way God has set up this life that we live is we are intended to have um, fathers models, um, fellow journeymen, who is that for you? And we always talk about three guys on your speed dial. Uh, so a one person or a team of persons in order uh, to be a model. And then finally, who do you know that is in the wilderness? And we all are, and we all are in this season. So that being said, let's dig in. Knowing God face to face. And I would just offer you once again, this is our session um, to honor um, one of the great uh, men of uh, God's redemptive history, and his name is Moses. And what we want to look at this morning are the lessons that we gain from Moses. So turn over with me to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 34, and let's dig in to this last chapter of the sermons of Deuteronomy. Again, um, 
you know, uh, interestingly enough, you know, if you think back about Moses, when God called Moses, he was the stuttering, reluctant, I I, I can't talk prophet. Um, And God said, okay, um, you're still going to be the man, but I'll give you Aaron. And Aaron will walk by you and he'll he'll kind of help you verbalize things. Uh, And so every excuse hesitancy that Moses had, God met. And then if you remember how we got the book of Deuteronomy in many ways, um, at least implicitly, um, um, uh, that is implied is the conversation that Jethro, his uh, father-in-law, had with Moses. And he, and Moses is telling him all the things that God's doing and all the things God's doing. And Jethro said, well, that's really cool, but you're going to have to organize these people and begin to teach them because at that time uh, Moses was a one uh, one was a one man band, and Jethro was saying, "Moses, you're going to burn out. You got you've got to train leaders, and you've got to teach them." And so much of what we have in the Book of Deuteronomy, I believe, is Moses's application to what his father in law told him to do, and so we have this sermon. Um, that many scholars believe it took Moses about a week uh, to execute giving to the people as final instruction. So Deuteronomy 34 starts out with this. Moses climbed from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, the peak of Pisgah facing Jericho. And God showed him all the land from Gilead to Dan, all Nephtali, Ephraim, and Manasseh, all Judah, Judah, reaching to the Mediterranean uh, Mediterranean Sea, the Negev and the plains which encircled Jericho, city of palms, as far as Zor. Now, in my crazy head, you know, I'm a, I'm a third grader trapped in an adult body. Okay, in 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 my head, this is like a helicopter ride over Disney World. It's like you know, everybody wants to go to Disney World, and so. God is saying, you don't get to go to Disney World, but I'll show it to you. You know, uh, one time we were in Las Vegas uh, for uh, one of Abigail's uh, book shows. She she was asked to go out to uh, when she wrote her book. Uh, look at um, um, look at me. I'm just like you uh, at an educational conference. Um, we had some free time. And, and so we were going to do the helicopter ride from Las Vegas over uh, the Grand Canyon. So we go out to the helicopter place, which is uh, just on the edge of town, and we get in the heli. You know, we're in line with you know. There must have been fifty people and ten helicopters or something, whatever it was. And uh, we get on our little helicopter, one of those little bubble helicopters. It's like if this thing goes down, it's over. You know, there's there's there, there's no safety at that. And so we're all strapped in. I don't know, five or six of us in this little helicopter, and the helicopter goes up, flies over McDonald's and comes back down and lands, and they report that the air conditioning unit had gone out on the helicopter, and we got to see McDonald's. <laughs> the top of McDonald's, and that that was it. That was it. And so, you know, in my crazy head, I've kind of got this idea that, you know, God takes Moses up to this high place. He shows it to him, and then he says this to him. Verse 4, Then and there God said to him, This is the land I promised to your ancestors, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, with the words, I will give it to your descendants. I've let you see it with your own eyes. 
You get to see it. There it is. But you're not going to go in. Now, guys, again, in my crazy head, that's like taking a third grader on a helicopter ride over Disney World and saying, look at that. You don't get to go. <laughs> I'll show it to you. But you don't get to go. Um, and then, and then, of course, the third grader says, yeah, but all my classmates are going. And, yeah, all your classmates are going, but you don't get to go. And there's a real lesson in this, and we'll get to this uh, to, to that in just a minute. But it is a remarkable kind of good news, bad news sort of experience for Moses. He gets to see um, the land that God has promised, uh, but not yet for him. He doesn't experience it. So continue. Moses died there in the land of Moab. Moses, the servant of God, just as God said. God buried him in the valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. No one knows his burial site to this very day. That's interesting, you know. Not going to let it be a, you know, a pilgrimage uh, sort of place. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyesight was sharp. He still walked with a spring in his step. I love that. The people of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. And then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses came to an end, 30 days of mourning. Some of us might get 30 minutes, <laughs> and then they'll move on. Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. The people of Israel listened obediently to him and did the same as when God had commanded Moses. And then, and then this is so cool. Uh, this is the eulogy, in a sense, of Moses, 10 through 12. No prophet has risen since in Israel like Moses whom God knew face to face, whom God knew face to face. If that doesn't capture your imagination, um, then you need to just settle on that for just a minute. Intimacy with God, seeing God face to face. Never since has there been anything like the signs and miracle wonders that God sent him to do in Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land, nothing to compare with all that all-powerful hand of his and all the great and terrible things Moses did as every eye in Israel watched. Wow. None like Moses. None like Moses. So how would you sum up the message of Moses? Uh, I'm, 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 I'm kind of a... I like uh, summing up things in one word, you know. What word would you use to sum up all of Deuteronomy? Some, some would say obedience. It, it's certainly there uh, all through. Um, and some would say, you know, like little Johnny in Sunday school, the answer is always Jesus or God, God. I would, I would say this, that so much... Of the of the message uh, of Moses was hope. Um, God's going to bring all this about. Uh, all all this about. Remember that all we long to see, all that we believe, all that we in which we hope shall come true. Jesus has made it secure. You can't live without hope. Um. As I stand here with you this morning, I mean, I just have a catalog. My, 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 my Rolodex uh, is just rolling through the number of people that I've sat with and just 
just the last two or three weeks uh, that are in desperate need of hope. Uh, a, a young mother and wife who is being is in an abusive marriage. What does she do? You know, um, uh, a young uh, a young guy who's just gotten out of rehab and trying to put his life back together. Uh, an alcoholic in his mid twenties. Uh, you know, that's it's so tragic. It happens. Uh, uh, marriage uh, falling apart and uh, the stress and the pressure of the of the pandemic and things going on, just putting more stress on, 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 on a bad marriage. And it just just can't hold up. Gentlemen, those of us that are Jesus followers, we have the keys to the room of hope and we need to open that door and usher people in. Um, the the idea of hope, once again, is, is being able to close your eyes and see something better and see something different. Hope is anchored in our imagination, our ability to close our eyes and see that this will be resolved. And in no way would we ever want to minimize the pain that somebody's going through in the present. It is real. And yet... There is an end to that. And we know that we can be assured of that. It doesn't mean that the cancer is going to be cured in this life or that the marriage will actually be saved. But there is a path to walk on to where we know that God wins and his redemptive story is fulfilled in the promises of all things being restored. That's the hope. And uh, I am I am so glad that God has chosen me and us uh, to be a part of that hopeful message. And that was I think that was the center of what Moses was saying to the people. This, this wilderness experience is not the rest of your life. And then and then I would just I would just say this once again with this idea of face to face. I mean, what does that mean for us? I mean, I've never seen I've never seen God face to face. Um I don't expect to see him um face to face um in this life. But I certainly expect to experience and I have experienced the intimacy of God. I've heard God speak not audibly, speaking uh, into my heart, giving me assurance. Uh, anchoring me in peace and love and hope um, that that which Moses experienced um, and the Lord said in um, Exodus thirty three eleven, thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Is that the kind of relationship that you have with God and that God has with you? I mean, do, do you really believe that God speaks to you as a friend? Uh, I mean, it, as we've said for going on 13 years now, we're into our baker's dozen year, John. Pretty cool. Um, this whole God thing and Jesus thing and Christian thing is not a religious thing. Religious people scare me to death. It's an intimate thing. It's a friendship. Um that God is my friend. Uh, he walks with me and talks with me um, as the hymn goes. Uh, 
And that, and that's the substance and that's the core of what we want to teach. Um, and yet, you know, many people can go to church all their life and they never seem to capture a sense of intimacy with God. It's just religious. Um, but what Moses experienced and he taught the people was to know and be known by God, to experience friendship with God. And then I would say uh, in Moses, of course, none other. There's none other. Who is the none other uh, in your life? Baseball coach, Sunday school teacher, your dad? Um, I, I had the neatest experience this week uh, sitting with um, um, a guy that came into my office, and um, he lost his dad eight years ago. And um, he talked like he lost his dad eight minutes ago. I mean, he started talking to his dad, and I could tell this this guy's not a crier. Well, when he started talking, he just started crying. And I, and I asked him after, after we had, you know, talked for uh, 30 minutes or so, I said, we'll call him Joe. Uh, I said, Joe, um, I, I kind of get the idea that, that you're not generally a crier. He said, no, no, I've, I've not cried in years. I said, you didn't cry when your dad died? He said, no. I said, where do you think the tears are coming from right now? He said, I don't know. I just, I feel safe. And guys, that's, that's what we offer. Just a safe place for guys to get in touch with what's going on. And he had lost his dad um, eight years ago. And um, as I say, it, it felt like he had lost him eight minutes ago. And I think to him at that moment, it felt like he'd lost him eight minutes ago. He was his model his friend and confidant. Uh, Augustus Top Lady, who wrote uh, the hymn Rock of Ages, puts it this way in terms of a model in, in understanding um, how we actually have to experience grace in our failures as, as Moses did, um, that it's not because of our performance, but it's even because of grace. Because here's Moses flying over Disney World, and he doesn't get to go. He didn't get to go to Disney World, you know. Um, Top Lady says this in his hymn, Not the labors of my hands can fulfill the law's demands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save and thou alone. Only God can save. And when we mess up, there are consequences to our sin in Moses and all his glory. None like Moses still had to experience the consequences of his sin, even though he was forgiven and he experienced the full restoration, but not yet only in heaven. So Moses, our hope, good, uh, model of intimacy and just our model of even the consequences of our sin. Um, all through this series, we've been using Band of Brothers, uh, Easy Company, and Major Dick Winters as, as kind of a case study. 
And, um, you know, in Moses' death here in, in this passage, um, I want to show you just a short two-minute clip. There's, there's no words to this. There's no song to this. There's a little bit of music in the background. But I want you to watch this uh, montage uh, of clips from Major Dick Winter's life. It would be something like um, would be played as a eulogy to him. And what I want to invite you to do in just these two minutes is I want you to think about your own father um, celebrating the model he was to you or even forgiving him even now for the failures um, for him to father you as you wanted to be and needed to be and wanted to be. Um, and to even maybe consider the models in your own life, that coach or Sunday school teacher or grandfather or whomever it was. But two minutes of reflection um, as we watch Major Dick Winters being honored. There it is. I think I'm on. Am I on, Jeff? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So, um, so let's break this down a little bit. Lessons from Moses. Uh, this is kind of what uh, I think in many ways, you know, is some kind of a summary of Moses' life and his message in Deuteronomy. Uh, I, would, I would offer you this in terms of a, of, of a lesson. First of all, <clears throat> um, there's consequences uh, to sin. Um, 
And, and the consequence of sin is always relational. That's the point. All healing is relational. Every problem you have is a relationship problem, and every solution to that relationship problem is a relational solution. And so what sin does is it breaks relationship. It, it's, it, it's not so much a, a, a loss of our morality in sin being a moral issue. I mean, it certainly is that, but, but it's too superficial to make it a moral issue. You know what's really damning? is we lose that relationship. I mean, it's like the death that an infant experiences when he or she crawls into the dining room and looks up and mama ain't there. And it's just like complete panic on the six-month-old or eight-month-old face because they have looked up and mama ain't there. And what the baby learns to do, of course, is to remember, remember mama. So, you know, when they get to be nine months, 10 months, yeah, the heck with mama, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm crawling out in the street. I mean, it's just crazy, you know, and now you got a problem because baby can remember and even be dangerous because they're not as dependent upon that relationship. And that's what sin does to all of us. We're all like infants crawling away from daddy. Um, and we get to be independent enough to where we don't think we need mama or daddy. And that is the issue with our sin relative to God. And then what happens when we start uh, being found out that we're disconnected is the cancerous emotion of sin is shame. That That is the cancer of shame. Uh, excuse me. That is the cancer of sin is shame. I mean, some uh, there's many, I'm sure, that have experienced sitting before a doctor and, and they lay the big C word out, you know, I'm, you've got cancer. It's like, you know, we could easily be uh, confronted by a mentor, a model, and say, you've got shame. You've got shame. And it's just devastating because it is, it is that shame that keeps us in hiding. Now we're gathering fig leaves around us, and it's just like the consequences of my sin has disrupted my relational connection to those that I love, uh, especially God. I'm feeling shame. I'm going to hide. I hope nobody finds out. But what Moses in his life shows us is we are going to be held responsible for our sin. But even though we are held responsible, we are never ultimately um, abandoned by God. Never. He does not abandon us. I love you. I still love you. Yeah, you're going to have to go through this and suffer the consequences of your sin. But I forgive you. I love you. And man, I've seen it in my own life of walking through hard times, but still experiencing peace and connection to God. And that's what we learned through Moses. He walked with God, even though he didn't go into the promised land. Second, he was with him. Yeah. 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 Uh, excellently. Lee was just making the comment to me here on the patio that, uh, once again, that God was with Moses throughout, even in that final look over into the promised land. Yep. 
God was never mad at Moses, but Moses was going to suffer the consequences. And, and we need to be able to distinguish that in our own head um, to go through the hard times. The second, the second thing um, that I would just say um, is um, what we learn is this connection uh, to God um, in this face-to-face encounter. What is what does that look like for us? Again, I don't I don't sit each morning hoping to see God face to face. No, uh, but I want to experience God intimately, and that is possible, very possible. And you know, one of the ways that we do that is is just practicing the spiritual disciplines, solitude. Um, I want you to look over at, at, at Psalm 62. Psalm um, 62, I, I love this. Just, just in a um, couple of verses here, says this. Get my fingers to work this morning. Psalm, Psalm 62, verse 1 and 2. God, the one and only, I'll wait. As long as he says, I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll seek God. Everything I need comes from him, so why not? He's solid rock under my feet, breathing room for my soul. Now, again, as I said earlier, you know, as long as your foundation works, you'll get through the um, construction issues of your house, so to speak. But if you've got foundation issues, um, there's no hope. You've got to fix the foundation. All of you that live in Bellhaven, you either have foundation issues, you've had foundation issues, or you're going to have foundation issues. Welcome to Bellhaven. Uh, and it's like you've got to fix the foundation. Uh, uh, I sat with uh, a guy this week, and they bought a wonderful piece of property, and and uh, they've got foundation issues. They're going to have to fix the foundation in this new property. He's solid rock under my feet, breathing room for my soul. An impregnable castle, I'm set for life. If you've got a good foundation, you can handle anything. So the way we get that connection with God is we get quiet. You find a quiet place every morning. Whether it's 15 minutes, 30 minutes, half a day, weekend retreat, solitude, get quiet. And then again, just that silence. And man, silence can be so deafening. I mean, it's disruptive. You've got to get used to silence. Um, during Hurricane Sally, it was so eerie after everything stopped. All the power was off, no traffic, very eerie. But you would think it's like, wow, isn't this cool? No, no. My monkey brain was, was like, uh, you know, on the, on the hamster wheel. It's like, I need some noise. 
And all of a sudden, the chainsaw, uh, chainsaw started, and we've been listening to Chainsaw Melody uh, for two weeks. Yeah. But uh, we need less noise and silence. And then contemplative reading of Scripture. And I love this. Guys, that's why I, I love the Message Bible. I, I want you to have a study Bible. Get your study Bible with notes and maps in the back and all that. But, man, learn to read Scripture. I, right now, I'm, I'm reading um, listening on, in my exercise to um, Eugene Peterson's uh, book entitled Eat This Book. And he goes through um, the apolo apologetic for the scriptures and how he loves the scripture and why he wrote the message. And the reason he wrote the message was not to uh, devalue the scripture, but is to get people reading the scripture. And he found out that when he was preaching in this little church in the book of Galatians, that people didn't even understand what he was teaching. And in the first book that he translated into a contemporary English way was the book of Galatians, just so they could understand it. So read it um, to enjoy it. Read it, reflect, respond, understand it. Contemplative reading of Scripture. Not just to read it for more information and to study it in some sort of academic way but to really see it as the intimate encounter with God that he intended his word to be. And then, and then finally, contemplative prayer, which is more about listening than it is about Santa Claus, Jesus, the Santa Claus, the religious Santa Claus. Like, you know, this is what I want and this is what I need. No. Prayer, listening. What is God saying to me this morning? So connection with God. And then, and then, and then finally, I, I would just say once again, just as Moses was a model, we need models. Who, 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 who is the who um, in your life? Who do you respect? Who do you listen to? Whether it be, you know, the podcast that you're listening to, the, the, uh, men, the uh, authors that you're, are mentoring you. Um, I've got many authors and many guides that I've listened to, teaching mentors, and then men that I actually sit with that guide me. And David Benner, um, in, um, in his book, came up with 10 um, characteristics of a good model or a good friend. Listen to this. This is, this is really key to evaluate and assess who do you hang out with. These are probably not your golfing buddies, your drinking buddies, you know, your football watching buddies. Could be. But the kind of friends that you need are these. Number one, attunement to the Spirit, hunger for God, and surrender to His will. That above all, he, this guy, this guide, puts God first. Love for others, self-understanding, has good self-awareness, curiosity about God's creation, enjoyment of life. I love passionate people, don't you? I mean, I hate being around people that are a buzzkill. It's like, man, you know, hold my Diet Coke and watch this. Those are the kind of people I want to be with discernment of your unique self in Christ. Again, your, your, your lion, be the lion, your real self. Courage to follow your calling, that you love your job. Um, you're passionate about what you're doing. Depth of passion and, and compassion, sense of gratitude, and overall experience of holiness and wholeness. Evaluate your friends that way. And I would just say this. How about you? How about you? Evaluate yourself.
Are you the model for your sons and daughters and for your own friends um, that people could characterize you with those 10 things? So knowing God face to face through the model of Moses, none like Moses, none like Moses. May you chew on this for a lifetime. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you so much for our time together this morning. Thank you for giving us uh, models who fail, who are real, um, who have walked through hard times, both in this life and in certainly in Scripture through the life of Moses. We love you. Thank you for giving us this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week. See you next week.